Hey everybody and welcome back to Cash's Corner. If you can believe it, this is the last episode of season five. I certainly can. Jan and I will be back with you, Cash's Corner, after the midterms, but we do have an episode left to get to. Jan, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, in a way, it's kind of a, I guess, a fitting uh, <laughs> topic. It is the end of the Danchenko trial, possibly the last prosecution, if you believe the Wall Street Journal, that uh, Durham is going to actually do as special counsel, possibly. Of course, Danchenko, as yeah. probably a lot of our viewers know, is found not guilty on four counts of lying. Um, well, let's start here. So what's your reaction, Cash? A lot. So unlike the Sussman case, which I've talked about in before being jury nullification, where the jurors themselves have come out and said they were Clinton donors and they said themselves after the verdict in the Sussman case that the government should never brought this case. It's a, a little different than the strategy utilized by the defense in the Danchenko case. And the information John Durham unveiled in the Danchenko case. So uh, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that it's unequivocal now that the world knows that James Comey lied um, to a federal court, lied to the American public, lied to Mueller and everybody else when he said he and his FBI had verified the FISA application against President Donald Trump and his campaign. That's the purpose of the law. When you go before a federal court, especially the FISC, uh, which I did many times when I was a national security prosecutor, the attorney general, along with the director of the FBI, has to sign the FISA warrant application for the following purpose, to specify that it has been verified, that it is accurate, and that the information in it is credible. But now, thanks to John Durham and his prosecutions, we know that James Comey and his FBI agents actually intentionally blockaded information to attempt to corroborate the source, Christopher Steele and Denchenko and others, when they, the FBI, knew that that information would come back and contradict the credibility of Steele and thus vitiate James Comey's ability to take this warrant to a federal court and say it has been certified. This is an egregious violation of the law and you know, due process and everything else. But as someone who is director of the FBI, for him to come in and politically target an individual on information they knew was trumped up is something that I think everyone has learned. I mean, the mainstream media won't talk about it and they can run away from it. But that's not me saying it. That's the FBI's agents under Comey testifying in these trials saying they had the opportunity to go and interview people who would have detracted from the credibility of the Steele dossier and the Danchenko reporting and other reporting, Charles Dolan and whatnot. And they were blocked by FBI leadership from ever doing so. So it's a pretty stunning revelation for those who haven't been following this information. And of course, James Comey will continue to lie and he'll go out there and say, you know, the Danchenko verdict shows that he didn't lie, but it shows the exact opposite. Remember, the FBI. <coughs> wasn't on trial in the Danchenko case. It was Danchenko, the source of the Steele dossier. Um, and we, we learned a lot of other things, but I think that's the biggest takeaway. Okay, so many things I want to say here. Number one, looking at Durham's closing statement, it did seem a bit like the FBI was on trial. So as a former public defender and federal public defender, I tried a lot of tough cases where the facts were completely against me. And let's be clear, Danchenko lied to the FBI. His defense counsel all but admitted it. Danchenko lied about making up conversations he never had with Sergey Milian, who was supposedly a source for the Steele dossier, but we now know is a total farce 
because Danchenko made it up. Danchenko lied about his interactions with uh, Charles Dolan, the Hillary Clinton's you know, senior advisor, and about where this information came from and that he drummed it up. That those were lies that happened in the middle of the Russiagate investigation. But what his attorneys did, which, which is what I have done in the past, when you don't have the facts and you have a very high profile case, and I've done this in narco trafficking cases and murder cases when I was a defense counsel as a, as a PD, you put the cops on trial. So they put the FBI on trial. And while I said it's true that the FBI was not on trial, um, they weren't as far as John Durham goes, the defense counsel's move is a move that I've utilized at times in the past. It was shown by defense counsel that the FBI's conduct was so egregious that the jury just said, I don't even want to deal with the facts of the case. I'm so ticked off at the FBI or the cops that um, we're not going to believe anything in this case. Even John Durham's presentation of the evidence, which was a hard needle to thread because he was saying, let's talk about the elephant in the room, the FBI. He was prosecuting an FBI source for lying at the same time having FBI agents on the witness stand destroy the credibility of the FBI. And then John Durham had to use the FBI's other agents as on a special counsel team to bring these charges. So he's basically saying the FBI I worked with is good. The FBI that did the Russiagate investigation is completely corrupt and criminal. And this guy lied to them. It's a hard, hard, hard sell for a prosecutor to make that case when you have so much evidence of corruption. And I think that's what the jury looked at. They said, the defense counsel said, look, our client lied, or you know, maybe he misspoke, or whatever the verbiage was the defense counsel used, but look at what the rest of the cops were doing. Look what all these other individuals were doing. They wanted to go out there and corroborate this information, but their leadership blocked them from doing it. You know, through this trial, Durham exposed a whole bunch of information, a whole bunch of criminal conduct that needs to be followed up, potentially, by the DOJ. Um, but at the same time, Basically, you're saying he kind of, through doing that, he kind of undermined his case, and the defense counsel used that. Yeah, I mean, John Durham didn't have any options. He had to go with the deck he had. And it's very hard as a prosecutor to say to a jury, yes, the FBI is corrupt, especially when it came to the Russiagate investigation, which is the most corrupt investigation ever perpetrated by the FBI themselves. And so the credibility that you bear in court is very limited. And John Durham tried to use that limited credibility, but I think his bigger play was to educate the world on what happened. Because so many people ran over the Russiagate investigation that I ran with Devin Nunes, which exposed all this in the first place because of the disinformation campaigns being put on by the media. But the power of a federal prosecutor is his pleadings to the court, which are essentially under oath saying, under penalty of perjury, what I'm telling you is true. And on top of that, he had agents like Auten and Tybalt and, um, well, not Tybalt, but Auten and Sama and Heidi and others during the course of these cases come up there and say, we had options to go and challenge the veracity of Steele dossier. We knew it was false. But James Comey and company and McCabe and company on the seventh floor with Peter Strzok said, we're not going to look at those options. We, the FBI, are not going to investigate possible gaps in our case because all we care about is getting Donald Trump and getting that FISA warrant authorized. So we're going to stop the work we normally would have done. I mean, you just have to think about it in a more agnostic context and say, 
whatever investigation you're talking about, bank robbery, homicide, drugs, and the FBI is using a source network to do it, and the FBI is aware, before going to a federal court for a search warrant, that that source network is corrupted, and it's peddling false information, wouldn't you want the FBI to go get that false information and corruption before they took it to a federal court, then notify at least the federal officer to say, look, we relied on this guy, but he's got all these problems. They knew, remember, I've said this in the past, the FBI knew in this case, these government gangsters knew what questions not to ask because they knew the answers to those questions would gut their case and would defeat them at the FISA court, which was their ultimate goal. And they carried that out to a T in this instance. And to me, that's the biggest criminal conduct I've ever seen the FBI engage in. And I share everybody's frustration that no one's been charged um, at the FBI for the very corruption that this jury let Igor Danchenkov off on. Well, so l let me mention this. I, I, I recall uh, there were at least two agents from what we learned that actually tried to investigate, for example, Charles Dolan. And maybe I'll get you to tell me about the significance of him and all of this. Um, but they tried, and then they were blocked by other agents from doing that. And uh, Otten, that both were highly aware that uh, basically Dolan was a, a dossier source, right, a major dossier source. but. There were a number of revelations. This is one that sort of jumps to mind, that there's this kind of internal uh, blocking. Yeah, and that's problematic for many reasons. You have now have the corrupt FBI agents themselves saying they had uh, leads, investigative leads, that would have added value to their investigation, but it wouldn't have added value in the lanes they wanted. It would have detracted from their goal, which was to politically target a campaign they disagreed with. And so they intentionally stopped other field-level agents from producing Sort of, or working those lines of efforts because they knew the answer. So they said, don't even ask the question. Because if you don't ask the question, then we can feign later, we didn't know. Which is exactly what they've been doing for six years, saying, we didn't know, we didn't know, we didn't know. And the biggest lesson, the biggest takeaway, as I've talked about, is that now, thanks to John Durham, we know definitively that James Comey, Andy McKay, Peter Strzok, and all the others at the FBI, Tybalt, Auten, Sama, lied to a federal court, lied to the American public, and intentionally, intentionally, did not do their jobs because they knew the answers to the questions about the Steele dossier, its source network, and its veracity would fail and would destroy their investigation, and then they would have no crossfire hurricane investigation to continue on. And we know from the text messages from Strzok and his, and his mistress, Lisa Page, and so many others at the FBI that the only thing they cared about was getting Trump and doing whatever it takes and using a source in Christopher Steele who's personally admitted to the FBI that he wanted Donald Trump never to be president and would do whatever he could to stop it. These are the types of individuals they went to, not to mention Charles Dolan, a senior advisor for Hillary Clinton World, was connected to Igor Danchenkov directly for providing some of this quote-unquote information about the dossier and the Russiagate scandal when he knew it was totally false. I don't see how Americans can have any faith in this FBI anymore. And that's why calls for things like the Church Commission um, are probably valid now, or actually definitely valid. And it's going to take a major overhaul from these guys in Congress when the gavels flip to conduct some rigorous oversight, but also to retool the FBI and DOJ so it actually has credibility again. But that's going to be a multi-year lift. I just want to reiterate this. You know, there's, there's at least a couple of agents that tried to investigate Dolan, right, who was working for the Clinton campaign, essentially, right? And, uh, but they were blocked from doing that by other agents, as if it was irrelevant. 
Yeah, and it sounds like it's a play they ran repeatedly. We've talked about it extensively on how they had that option on Hunter Biden's laptop. Tybalt did too. Tony Bobolinsky brought that to light, and we discussed that in detail in, a, in an episode of Cash's Corner a few weeks ago. They ran that same op during the entire Russiagate investigation. These government gangsters knew the information was false, but they didn't care. And if that doesn't upset any American, then really you have no business participating in the democratic process or our judicial system because it's literally the reason why supposedly our system of justice is better than everyone else's in the world. I have to bring this up. Um, I recently learned that in 2016, the Oxford English Dictionary Word of the Year was post-truth, okay? Post-truth. I'm going to read the definition because I thought it was a kind of a euphemism, but it actually is instructive. Relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. I'm kind of getting worried that we may, in this post-truth world, jury pools may likewise function this way. You're probably right. I mean, it's, uh, I didn't know that. Uh, of course, you're more dialed in on this stuff than I am. And I think it goes along with a lot of the disinformation conversations we've had. You know, the reason why this is coming to the forefront is because there's so much false information out there that has been repeated for so many years by the likes of Adam Schiff and company that too many in the American public have ingested that information as true or the truth when the sourcing that was saying it knew it to be false. And we've shown that that happened at the legislature and Congress. We've shown that it has happened at the FBI, at DOJ, at the intelligence community, and even at DOD in episodes of Cash's Corner. So it's, uh, it's good that it's a topic that is finally coming to the forefront of everyone's conversations, but it's tragic that we have to have that conversation in America because those aren't the types of scenarios that our judicial system was set up on. It was those very scenarios that our judicial system was set to de defeat. And that's why our founding fathers created all those rights in the Constitution. But those rights have been shredded, not by criminals on the street, but by criminals at the FBI and DOJ and other agencies. And that's why when I go around the country and talk to people, um, be it at rallies for President Trump or just other speaking engagements, so many times I hear over and over again, I don't have any faith in the FBI or DOJ. These are people in communities across America. And it's because they don't have the truth um, in front of them. Or, or it's because they were deprived of the truth along the way. And they later found out institutions that they relied on to give them the truth were the ones that were lying to them. Well, and then there's the third option. And this one even concerns me more. Maybe some just actually don't care in this sort of post-truth postmodern mentality. I mean, this is, the, <laughs> this, is, this is the thing that I've been frankly struggling with. I mean, like, you mentioned for ex that Comey has been, you know, sort of revealed to have lied very mm. obviously. I was actually shocked to discover that Mueller also seems to have lied. And that was, frankly, I, I wasn't expecting to see that somehow. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, we figured that out during Russiagate when Mueller took over the investigation. I mean, this is a guy who testified to Congress after his report was issued that he didn't even bother looking at the Steele dossier. And remember, you have to remember, James Comey is Mueller's protege. 
and he, James Comey, purposely leaked uh, classified information so that Bob Mueller would be made special counsel to oversee the very fraudulent investigation his buddy James Comey ran. I mean, that is a temple of corruption in the town in which America has completely lost confidence in not just Congress, but its executive branch agencies because they have politicized law enforcement and national security apparatus to get Trump or get anyone associated with the quote-unquote MAGA movement or America First uh, values or conservative values. And these political witch hunts and prosecutions are very real, whether it's January 6th or otherwise. What's upsetting to other people is the two-tier system of justice they have created. We now live in a world every day in America in 2022 where there is one system of justice, if you are the James Comey's, Andy McCabe's, Peter Strzok's of the world, um, Fusion GPS, Hillary Clinton, Fiona Hill. And there's another set of rules and justice and different courtrooms if you disagree with anything the above forementioned people have said or are a Trump loyalist or a America first person. And <clears throat> I, I just didn't think we'd ever get there. I really didn't. I mean, I got text messages right after the verdict came in because I was the probably the last guy thinking even this jury in Virginia is going to get this one right. And what I didn't recall were my public defender days right away saying, when the corruption is that bad and you can show it, you can walk your client out the door of the courthouse. So I guess you're not expecting uh, Comey or Mueller prosecutions based on these lies. Probably not. You know, I don't know what to expect. Where John Durham's going from here? Is he going anywhere further? Nothing will happen, I'm sure, till after the midterms. Will there be an announcement on the report? Well, he'll have to testify. And then here's the other thing that we need to talk about. If, if John Durham doesn't go any further, um, you know, we have to find out, is it because Merrick Garland told him he could not? Because the only person that can tell John Durham not to bring a prosecution is the attorney general who oversees him, which is Merrick Garland, which I think is a conflict of interest because John Durham is investigating Merrick Garland and his cronies for the corruption that they have committed and the cover-up by the likes of Chris Ray, who works for Merrick Garland, who's the director of the FBI, and others. So, you know, when John Durham testifies, those questions have to be asked and answered. And more importantly, is this report that John Durham writes, remember, it doesn't have to be made public. It can only be made public if Merrick Garland allows it to be made public. And then if it is, will it be redacted? What's going to be behind the redactions? Are we going to have to do this whole thing all over again? like we did in Russiagate, where the FBI releases reams of evidence after they say the evidence doesn't exist, but then they go right redact 98% of it. You've seen these documents and pages. Is this, the, is this the race they're gonna run again? Probably, because they're gonna try to run out the clock once we get past midterms, uh, because they care more about the political cycle than accountability to the American people, which they work for. What are the biggest questions at this point left in your mind? Well, look, we know all the players, and go up back and watch our episodes. We've identified literally everyone from the Jake Sullivans, the Fusion GPSs, the Fiona Hills, all these corrupt actors, Chris Ray, um, Comey, McCabe, Strzok, Heidi, Sama, Auten, Tybalt. All of these individuals are now known by name. That's a massive step forward in terms of the corruption they wielded. What I want to know is, are they going to be prosecuted? And, and the bigger question is, if not, why? It's not like the evidence isn't there. It's not like John Durham, it's not like I went and found it. John Durham showed us that evidence in his pleadings, in Kevin Kleinsmith's case, in the Sussman case, in the Danchenko case, and, and 
pled that before a federal judge saying, these are my investigations, these are my findings. And multiple of those FBI uh, employees have admitted on, on the stand that they are under investigation. Um, and maybe we'll see more whistleblowers coming forward to help expose that corruption. But uh, will they just be no accountability like there was with Tybalt, who walked out of the FBI after 31 years or however long it was and said he's just going to retire early all of a sudden um, and there'll be no harm in it? Will people be rewarded like Andy McCabe, who went back in this DOJ under Merrick Garland, reinstated his pension after Andy McCabe was caught lying and got fired for lying and leaking to the media as the deputy director of the FBI and got his gun and badge back, literally? Is that the type of accountability we're going to see? And then he gets glorified in the mainstream media. And these are the people that are on the places like MSNBC. And one of the things that's so disturbing to me is just this past week, Peter Strzok goes on MSNBC as a paid contributor and says 9-11 has nothing on January 6th. 9-11 is nothing compared to January 6th. This is the very agent who led the counterintelligence investigations involving Hillary Gate and the email scandal and Russiagate, who hated Donald Trump, who had no problems telling the world about it, was caught lying, was caught blockading an investigation, was caught corrupting the FBI, and was caught basically conjuring up the biggest fraudulent criminal conspiracy perpetrated by FBI actors themselves, including him. He's now on TV comparing January 6th to 9-11. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, one thing that occurs to me, I'm just thinking about loose threads here, right? One is, I do recall that Durham did say that Auten was a subject of yeah. the special counsel investigation. I wonder what will happen with that. He's, and it was a number of people. I think it was Auten, and I'm, maybe I'm forgetting off the top of my head if it was Heidi in the last trial. A number of FBI employees, analysts, agents, what have you, lawyers, were subjects of either John Durham's investigations, subjects of FBI internal investigations for Office of the Professional Responsibility. And, you know, we've seen Chris Ray go to Capitol Hill and say there's going to be no retribution or retaliation for people who blow the whistle on these folks or these types of corruptions. But we've also seen him basically lie to Congress because when the likes of Agent Friend goes and, and does become a whistleblower, he is very much retaliated against. He is suspended. He is badge and gunner taken away from him. And he's taken off the streets. And this is a guy who has literally publicly said he did not vote for Donald Trump. And so there is very much... Um, retribution against whistleblowers. But then you have the likes of Senator Grassley and Ron Johnson and Jim Jordan, who have recently reported that they know there is corruption at the FBI with something like as simple as the use of a private jet by Chris Ray. We now have a whole slew of, of whistleblowers that have come forward, and we should post the article from the New York Post on this, which shows Chris Ray taking a government jet paid for by government taxpayer money to holiday vacation homes around the country instead of testifying before Congress. And the question is, did he ever reimburse the federal government for it? And what's likely going to happen is he'll come in and say, oh, I forgot. I, here's, here's a check for, for the money I owe you. But these are the types of individuals that are, we're relying on currently for accountability. And that's why John Durham's work is so important. So that's why um, you know, I hope it continues, because the likes of the senators I named and the congressmen I named are going to need help. Um, with these whistleblowers coming forward, because we know Chris Ware's word is completely meaningless when he says whistleblowers exposing waste, fraud, and corruption at his FBI won't be retaliated against, especially when the whistleblowers expose waste, fraud, and corruption of Chris Ray himself. So, Cash, you know, I know a lot of our viewers, you know, from looking at our comments, they cared very deeply about these trials that we've covered so extensively about 
the work about what's been exposed. They want to see accountability, and they're worried they never will. And that kind of you know gets people very, um, let's say, feeling very darkly about government and about the future. Um, I I don't know what thoughts you have at at this point. Well, the accountability is is the reason I left DOJ to go to Congress to conduct an oversight investigation in RussiaGate. And our, our accountability is limited in Congress, but our investigation there led to the firing or resignation of 17 DOJ and FBI employees, to include Comey, McCabe, Page, Strzok, Priestap, and so many others. So that's a form of accountability. It's not the ideal piece of accountability, because when they broke the law, which all of those individuals did, they were never prosecuted for it. And that can't happen unless John Durham is allowed to continue and or there's a regime change at the DOJ and FBI, which is unlikely till at least 2024. And so what I tell folks is, you know, you have to go out and read the documents. And I think more and more people are doing that. You know, we put the documents out at Epoch Times all the time, on, especially on our show. And not ones you and I write. I'm talking about the DOJ and FBI's own documents. I'm talking about the DOD's documents, all the IC's documents. As these come in, as these whistleblowers come in, these are the types of documents that people need to go online and say, Wait, was I lied to about Russiagate? Was I lied to about the corruption at the FBI? Did the James Comey and Andy McCabe and them lie to the FISA court and falsely certify FISA warrant application? They did. All those documents are currently available showing that. By the FBI's own writing on their own memorandum the, and the testimony that John Durham elicited from the likes of Auten and Heidi and others and Sama, we now know that those things are definitively true. But the hard part is getting that message out there. And once you do, though, and you build a course, which like we're doing, then you force Congress to act. Because that is the only way that you're going to see any form of accountability. And we've seen by the overreach of the January 6th committee what a congressional subpoena can do and the authority it has. We've also seen what government agencies can do to ignore it, like they did during Russiagate when we issued 17 or 20 some odd subpoenas, and they never told us about Danchenko and the million dollar bounty and the fact that uh, he was on the government payroll as a six-figure FBI source. All this information was withheld from the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. You just have to ask yourself this. What if that information was withheld from Adam Schiff as chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and the target of the investigation um, was someone in his universe? Do you think it would be quietly reported or not talked about? You have to always remind our audience of that. And yeah, we are greatly appreciative that the live chats have been a lot of fun um, every Friday night when we get to hear from so many of our fans while the show is playing. I think that's a really cool feature. And yes, we do read all those. And the, and the message boards have been good because they tell us where to take the show or what people are interested on. Because we don't want to just report on what you and I think is interested. We want to report on what they want to see because they're taking their time to come and listen to Cash's Corner. We actually, we would like to get your comments on this episode in the comments section. We want to know what you want to hear about from Cash Patel and maybe a little bit from Yanya Kellek. Uh, next season, season six, that'll start after the midterm elections. We're going to take a breather for the next few weeks. Um, yeah, so please, we read all the comments, as Cash always says, and we look forward to getting them from you. Yeah, can't believe it's been five complete seasons. Thank you to our audience for paying attention to us. Thank you for watching. Thank you for making us such a popular show. Um, but the reason Ann and I do it is to get the information out to y'all, and we appreciate you guys showing up week in and week out. And I think we've got a few fun surprises in store for next season that might include the likes of Ted Nugent and John Rich himself. But stay tuned for that. Yeah, absolutely.
shout out time. Let's I think, do it. Yeah, the shout out. As everybody knows, last week I finally got Jan to Nashville in Tennessee, which is the home of my boot maker. And uh, the shout out this week goes to Jan's new pair of cowboy boots from Lou Casey. Oh, man. He finally I, got a pair. Do I have to? I there they are. This. See, this is proof, Jan, that we listen to our audience. We listen to our live chat because for a year plus now, everyone's been saying, Cash has cowboy boots, why doesn't Jan? But now Jan does. So actually the shout out uh, for this week is to Jan, the whole crew at Epoch Times and Epoch TV for making yet another season of Cash's Corner so awesome. And we will see you guys next month on Cash's Corner season six.